we go. Terrific. Hey, welcome back again to the Industrial Hemp Growers Digest Wednesday webinar or webinar Wednesday, whichever way we started to brand it. You'd think after me doing it 33 times, I'd have gotten it down. But uh, thank you all for joining us today. We are, are uh, super happy to have uh, super duper hemp royalty as our guest today. We have none other than the great Joy Beckerman, who is joining us live from uh, Seattle. Joy, so glad to have you here. What a pleasure. It is always a pleasure to be with you, Nick, and, and everything that the National Hemp Growers Cooperative is doing is such a pleasure to support. I'm excited to share. Well, look, um, when we first started getting uh, all of our, our co-op stuff cranked up and moving, <clears throat> one of the first events we had was a... Um, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi Hemp Growers Conference, uh, for our, particularly because those three states just didn't have enough that knew about what was going on with hemp. And we really wanted to try to get educated folks about, educate people about what we were doing. And so uh, we connected to Joy and said, look, would you be willing to help us out? She said, absolutely. I said, well, when we start this thing, we need to start with kind of the big picture of hemp. And, and so our conference is going to get started. It's a one-day conference. And so, Joy, you're going to be the first one up It's at, at uh, when we crank off here at 7.30 in the morning. Well, ding-dong me didn't think about that being 5.30 for Joy. So she really took one for the team that day. And you've been taking it for us ever since then. And we appreciate you very much for what you've done for us as a co-op, but also what you've done for the industry. So you get a... Absolutely standing out for me if I wasn't too lazy to stand up. <laughs> Thank you so much, my brother. And my world is so international. You wouldn't believe what our friends on the other side of the pond and in Asia do to my time zone. So that weren't nothing. Thank you, sir. How, how about that? Well, you've had time to catch up on that sleep because that was in December. But um, so so here's what I would really love for us to, to do is just you and I kind of have some dialogue. We've got an opportunity. We'll open it up for questions later. So anybody that wants to be in the chat room or wants to put the questions in, we'll be able to walk through all of that. Um, are you PowerPointing today or are we just chatting today? Which one are you? We are chatting today. Okay. I certainly got, you know, I got everything ready on a dime, but I think when we prepped, we decided we were, we were going to do an interview style. Now, I think that's what we did decide. Thank you for doing that. As, okay. as typically you're sharper than I. So, all right. So, Everybody that we talk to, we always want to ask them what their hemp aha moment was. Your hemp aha moment happened uh, way longer than other folks' hemp aha moment did, just because you started. Walk us through that a little bit, Joy, about what that was like for you to, as it kind of got to where you got. <clears throat> I'm so happy to. Um, and, and I guess I should tell, while I'm about to tell your audience about my hemp aha moment, it dawns on me that perhaps I should just say a little bit about my credentials before I tell my aha moment, lest I spoil my aha moment without. Ah, okay, I was going to get to the credentials. I was getting there, but I thought, oh, you go, you do it. I'm sorry. The, no. you know, I'm just setting up, I'm setting up the foundation for the cool story, man. And that is that, uh, you know, as it, as it sits uh, today, you know, I was raised by an attorney. Um, I am an expert witness and I have a, a legal support and consulting firm, Hemp Ace International. And I sit on 
multiple boards and committees. Um, and, you know, I'm former president of the Hemp Industries Association, founded in 1994, uh, current board of directors for U.S. Hemp Roundtable. It goes on and on. My point of, of explaining this to folks um, is that uh, my aha moment came while I was following the Grateful Dead people uh, in the spring of 1990, dating myself quite a bit here. I was 20 years old at the time, you do the math. Um, and I was presented with a flyer. On this flyer at this Grateful Dead show in Foxborough, Massachusetts, there were excerpts from a book called The Emperor Wears No Clothes. The Emperor Wears No Clothes is a book with really, you know, the, the foundation or, and I, I use the term respectfully, uh, the Bible of the cannabis and hemp movements is The Emperor Wears No Clothes, a tremendous book uh, published by Jack Herer, May He Rest in Peace, and edited by Chris Conrad, who was also a father of the hemp movement and is still around and a prolific uh, activist. But it basically exposed the reality of the tremendously rich global and U.S. history of hemp, all of its many uses, and uh, what occurred to remove the deliberate social engineering uh, campaign to remove not only the plant from our consciousness, but all knowledge of the plant. And so this this had a tremendous impact on me, this, this excerpts, uh, this flyer. It really touched me, I would say, on a cellular level because what happened was it was basically a convergence of these two very deep things inside of me. And one is a sense of justice. You know, I was raised by a lawyer who, frankly, he raised me by himself. I had no brothers or sisters or a mother in the home, um, although my mother was an activist. A sense of justice and a sense of planetary healing. So bear in mind that I was on this Grateful Dead tour, um, understanding that we were probably going to all kill each other in the planet in due time. But, you know, we should practice peace, love and music and caring for one another on our way to an inevitable planetary death and death of the human race. That's just what I believed was happening. But I wanted to be in the light. Um, and so when I discovered and I don't believe everything I read, I was raised by a skeptic, in fact, but something occurred when I read that flyer. And that what I read was that there is not only a pathway out of this this seemingly hopeless environmental solution that we're in, but that pathway has been made a felony by the government. Um, and so that was my aha movement. And it literally changed me uh, on a cellular level forever. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, but you were you your pump was kind of primed to already want to be in that space as compared to people like me, okay, who, and you and I have talked about this, we we could count a thousand things that we probably differ on, but so what? We got so many, the things that we agree on, we agree on in such a good way and in a big way that, that makes it room for folks like me to come in to the movement, right, with folks like you that have been on uh, working it for all this period of time, but you were you were your your pump was primed is the way I, I'm saying that you were already exposed to that the thought process about that um, not that you just believed everything that you read but you said oh my goodness this is part of the stuff I've been looking for and I didn't know this was some of the stuff I was looking for right that is exactly right brother I I was in a more receptive 
position um, and also can't help but seize on what you just said because it's the answer to all of our, whether it's hemp or not. And what I love about hemp is that's what brings all of us together. This plant is so bipartisan. And so everybody is involved from all parts of the world and society. And we come together with what we agree on. And we need to do that in every place in this society. We have so much more in common than we, than we have apart, whether it's hemp or anything else. Heck yeah. Well, let's let's talk about that in just a second. OK, so <clears throat> um, and so we're going to share with with folks things that you and I have talked about. OK, just in, in dialogue. We've gotten to know each other even better and better. Um, the, 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 the wouldn't you say that the cannabis slash particular hemp industry as it started really started much more with what I would call movement folks, right? Of people that really understood what this could be and how it could be and, and all the things that we late bloomers have figured out that it can be. But then as it went forward, maybe even the more we got into maybe after the after the farm bill in 2018, is that probably the thing? 2014, it started to really change. And then 2018, big time. But believe me, it was getting hard for us after 2014 saying, I know you think this is an activist organization because that's what it has seemed like all these years while we've been pushing rocks up this hill. But it's a trade association, guys. This is a trade association for stakeholders. Right. <laughs> right. But I mean, once you started to get farmers in and and people that we would think of as much more, you know, conservative red state, you know, mindset about that, that the con the confluence congruence, you, you use big words, Joy, I don't know that many big words, but I mean, the way that it started to come together has been some of the maturation that has taken place over the past maybe two years within the industry to really kind of bring all of all those different sides that, that you think that's right or is it we still got room to work on i mean don't don't hear me say that but no 110% brother 110% and that's what you know it's taking the whole village and by that i mean the global village and all walks of society to make this happen because you know the hardcore more a hippie is a highly intelligent person pursuing infinite enlightenment. So let's just say that the hardcore hippies at the beginning, you know, we're like, we know we need to get this done, but we're not necessarily thinking about things like agricultural commodity price indexes and supply chain management. And, you know, so and actually growing the plant. In fact, brother, you know, I worked so hard all of those years and then all of a sudden it became legal to plant a seed. And I literally was like, Oh no, I need to figure, there's a whole agricultural aspect of this. So literally to your point, well, I, you know, we all had to come up to speed real quick. Once it got real, we'd just been fighting all that time to actually pass a law to help make it real. And once, once it became legal to plant those seeds, my God, do we need the farmers and the supply chain experts and the, and all everybody from every aspect of the supply chain with experience to, to deliver on this dream, which is yeah. why you are so important. And the national Hemp growers cooperative is so important. Well, thank you. I mean, that's the, obviously that's where we're all headed to. And, and, and I think that that it enables us 
people who might not get up every day thinking about ESG matters, for example, or, or that that's not something that they start off with when they have their cup of coffee in the morning, but to understand not only do we need to be thinking about that for a bunch of different reasons, but that hemp can be a part of that answer. And then how do you fit into that? How do we take um, the, the, the advocacy, the hippie, component as you've called it with what i would call the main street rotary club presbyterian types and then what else do we really have out there that is really doing something like that than what we're doing with the hemp i don't i don't know maybe there's other things i just don't know what they are but this is certainly one of them and and this is a a, a great way that that everybody's chocolate and peanut butter can be put together in such a way to do the right thing and do some great things for everybody all the way around. So yeehaw for us. How about that? But we would only be as good in this joy if there weren't folks like you and others that have been around it from the beginning that took the time, took the effort, took the hits um, out of your own pockets, out of at your own time. I can't imagine how many baseball games you might have missed with your boys or others would have been able, you know, that you would have liked to have been with or people that didn't get to ballet recitals because they were they were testifying somewhere. They were on a conference call or nobody was even Zooming yet and those type of things. I mean, you've earned your stripes and, and we are part of the benefits of that. So um, uh, hooray. And I, I'm tickled about where we're headed. I, I, I couldn't be more optimistic. Me too. And for what it's worth, I, you know, my sons, again, dating myself, they're 27 and 29, about to be the next year. Um, and so lucky for me, I was able to be quite an over-involved mother, actually. They both just got their <laughs> master's degrees. But indeed, um, beyond that, you know, incredible amounts of, of time and investment the good news is, uh, you know, and I and maybe I'm crazy. I've been called much worse, but <laughs> it brings me so much joy to do the work. It is the most rewarding, fulfilling work ever. And it is why after 30 years, I wake up every day and can't wait to do more of it. It just fills me. This plant brings me so much joy. How about that? How about that? All right. Well, let's talk about <clears throat> we threw out the old, the initials ESG there. Yes. Let's talk about kind of how hemp fits into the into the whole ESG component, because um, obviously corporate America. I don't even know whether they believe in it or not, quite frankly, as much as it doesn't matter whether you believe in it or not, you better get on board because this is the way the train's headed. OK, it's just like saying. I don't really care whether you believe smoking in your office is okay or not. Guess what? It ain't happening no more. Okay. So you better be thinking of, you know, find a different way to think about it. It hemp can be so much an answer to so many of those levels of that. Don't you think? For in, a huge, in such a huge way. And in fact, a, an article that Bob Hoban is one of my favorite attorneys. He's one of my favorite humans. And, sure. um, uh, he writes for Forbes um, among the many other things that he does. And what did he say about ESG and the industry? He said, not to do so is to be left behind, period. One of the shortest sentences I've ever seen coming out of Bob Hoban's mouth. <laughs> not to do so is to be left behind. Yes. And, and let's talk, just so in case we've got some of our, our listeners or viewers here who aren't familiar with what ESG is, when we throw that acronym at them, right? right. It's, 
environmental, social, and government governance. Um, and, and these are factors, ESG, environmental, social, and governance. They're factors to evaluate companies and frankly countries, but we are talking in this context, we'll keep it to, to companies yes. on how far advanced they are with sustainability. Um, and now in a business context, basically what this means is how a company's products and services contribute to sustainable development, but it's also about a company's risk management, right? It's how a company manages its own operations to minimize a negative impact on the environment, on society. And then the governance aspect is another factor. Now, once enough data around these three metrics is, is, is uh, accumulated or gathered, I would say, they are then integrated into an investment or a purchasing decision. Um, and that's how people, enlightened people, oh, should I not use that? Conscious, aware, responsible people are beginning to make investment and, and purchase decisions. And in the future, there simply is not going to be any choice. So not only will is society becoming more aware and responsible around these these issues um but the law eventually as in the eu will, will be global um and we're we'll have no choice but to pay attention to these factors so and an environmental factor is really what we're talking about is when we produce or consume producing and consuming everything from cars to food everything we contribute to resource depletion we contribute to waste pollution deforestation obviously climate change so how a company deals with supply chain qualifications waste management energy efficiency gas emissions um carbon footprint all of these things uh is major i'm going to talk for two seconds on social and governance and then i think we just focus on the e because that's what hemp is about right Social is that companies have a responsibility to their employees as well as their impact on the societies where they operate. So that includes working conditions, labor rights, diversity, uh, volunteerism, supply chain qualifications. Again, what are the labor standards in the supply chain, human rights issues, child labor, all of those things, workplace health and safety. Also, is the company integrated into the community where it's operating, thereby having a social license to operate there. Um, and then governance, it really, it serves as a control mechanism in relation to bribery, corruption, tax, executive remunerations, shareholder um, and, and stakeholder interests, sort of aligning and balancing that. It's a, a governance is a set of rules or principles that defines the rights and the responsibilities and expectations of the stakeholders there. Um, so in any event, now that's ESG. When we go into E, Given all of the different industries that hemp serves and its ridiculously unique uh, carbon sequestration ability, it, it, it takes the E part of ESG and puts it on steroids and is really a major, major answer to the E, e, e factor in this uh, in this ESG calculus. Well, yeah, well, 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 all right, so let's. Let's pause on the statement of the obvious on the E part, okay, for, for, for things that, that anybody with just a rudimentary clicking around can figure out the, the, the environment. I mean, it's so easy, even I figured it out, okay, I mean, on, on what it is on the environmental part. But really on the, on the social part of it, I tell you, part of our, our focus at the, at, at the co-op is 
are empowering people who have not been a part of the uh, production agriculture uh, world or their space by enabling them to be a part of something by growing hemp. And, and if somebody's got five acres or 12 acres or 23 acres who may have never been in production agriculture before, I think that's a social piece, right? I mean, we're, 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 we're giving people an opportunity to participate who might be minority farmers, people, you know, uh, women, people who have um, been kind of shut out of what would be traditional, not because they were maybe purposely shut out. It may just be that they, that nobody came and taught them and showed them how to do it, or they'd never been involved in it before. And so getting involved in that, we feel like that's a part of, of what could be the social piece of, of the right kind of ESG. It is absolutely a, a diversity is a major factor of the social mm -hmm. piece. So when we're talking about diversity or talking about, and of course you have tremendous um, experience in this field, when we're talking about developing rural America, um, certainly that is a major factor. Of course, the advocate in me cannot help but take this opportunity to say, boy, do we have an issue that we've got to repeal in the farm bill. And that of course is the 10 year felon ban. Um, the 10 year felon ban was sort of an 11th hour compromise and amendment that was made to the 2018 farm bill, which makes it so that anyone that has been convicted of a drug felony um, it, it, within 10 years of their wanting to become a licensed hemp producer um, is ineligible to do so for uh, until for 10 years after the date of that conviction. Now, of course, the drug war, the miserably, abysmally failure of a drug war uh, um, has, of course, di disparately impacted people of color and minorities. Uh, and so where we see other forms of cannabis really making sure that those minorities will be served due to the disparate treatment um, and impact, the opposite has happened with hemp. And we've said, not only have you people of color and minorities been disproportionately impacted by the absolute abysmal failure that is the drug war, but now double whammy, we're also not going to allow you to take advantage of the hemp opportunity. So advocacy, you know, I can't help myself. We are going to be working on that. And I believe that uh, Cheryl Pingree, Pingree of the state of Maine, my own home state, is uh, mm -hmm. working on a bill to, to help change that. But yes, diversity is the S piece, has a big factor of the S piece, sir. That's right. And so the governance piece that might come into play from a corporate perspective is that let's just say there's a company that is using hemp fibers in their textiles and they make some kind of clothing brand. Okay. Yeah. And let's just say, for example, that they are purchasing that hemp from some you know third world country where it grows and they're using child labor to go out and to harvest the hemp that would be the governance part of esg that people who are watching how real esg yes you are would be able to point out in a pretty quick hurry ah, 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 that's great you're using hemp on the e part but there's the g part of it too and if you're and if you're purchasing it from somebody or, or from some country that has no child labor laws, nah, that ain't gonna cut it. You're gonna have to have the E and the S and the G in order to get the smiley face, thumbs up, good housekeeping seal of approval 
that you are in kind of compliance. And it seems like the marketplace is really the one that's going to determine how what ESG compliance means. It's not the UN or some other group. It's, it's really going to be that the marketplace is going to govern all that. You think that's right? On some level, bear in mind that when we talk about child labor specifically, and I apologize because I so want to say absolutely that's right, but that is actually a factor of the social piece, okay. child labor, as opposed to the governance. Um, but but certainly, and when, but however, we we could put the diversity piece into the governance as a factor, and an example of that would be the makeup of your board or the makeup of your executive leadership team or your field, your personnel. So that is that is a diversity when it comes to um when it comes to governance it, it has it has more to do with uh with your board or but executive. if my board made a decision that it was cheaper to get help from one of these other countries where the, that would be child, social that, well, that that would be social that would not be a governing of that the governance is how my board is governed so that that is one factor so I got you. Governance, it's a control mechanism. We're really we're thinking more when we talk governance, brother, we're talking like bribery, corruption, tax issues, executive remuneration, shareholder vote, that type of thing. Right. Yeah. When it comes to anything that's going to actually, you know, impact people. So child labor, those types of concerns or diversity in your workforce um, that that's a social piece. I love the way that you correct me without making me feel bad about myself. That's terrific. That's a gift, Joy. Thank Thank you. Thank goodness for my mentors. I've had good (laughs) mentors who have always made it safe for me to be wrong, and thank God for them. Uh, Hey, uh, if I I got caught up in that, I wouldn't get out of bed every morning. (laughs) I couldn't couldn't even function. Hey, look, we'd love to open it up for questions if any of our folks who are there would like to jump in and and, uh, have some dialogue with – uh, with the queen mother of the uh, of the uh, uh, hemp industry, uh, Joy, what do you really see as if you could just say one positive and one barrier that could cut across both ways of kind of the future in your crystal ball of hemp? What would you say? Look, this is a trend. This is a thing that I'm seeing that really, really, man, it it lights my fire. I see good stuff is happening here. Here, though, is something that I think is still something that we as an industry have got to get over or get behind or get through or or kind of move through on part of that. Okay, and then hopefully we can come back to some E because, man, do I have a lot of. Yeah, we'll talk to E. That's right. No, no, no. I want to I want to. And and I also want to make sure I'm understanding your your question. something good and now are we talking more legal regulatory or are we talking stuff that is realistic and happening and gaining traction versus total craziness that people are doing glitter farting unicorns as i often say or right 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 what would the thing that you would say look from where i sit and from the time that i've seen where this industry has come from and where it is headed i'm excited about this thing or these things the way this is happening is enabling people to mainstream or get more involved in him or whatever as compared to, but comma, this other thing over here is really, man, when we can solve this component piece of that, things are going to be so much more better for us. 
Okay, you got it. I'm gonna go for the two things that impact our environment the most, okay? Which would be building materials and transportation. Okay. And so, and that's where we're gonna make the largest impact, but it, it, not but, also, and that's why I'm so excited that we're, we're gonna speak about E. I'm gonna take this moment, I'm gonna answer your question. It's a great question and so germane, obviously, and, and a wonderful segue. But I also want to make sure that folks understand, I moderate panels, I speak all the time. It's my favorite thing to do. I wish I could do it full time. Um, and I am usually moderating panels, you know, the, I have the paper, the folks doing the paper or the plastic. So it is wonderful. It's so fantastic. And I'll often say, or building materials. And I'll say, why did you, why, why did you choose to manufacture your product with hemp? And inevitably, the, they start out talking about the environmental reasons why they started using hemp. And I love that. That's very important. It's key. It's so important, right? But it's gotten to where over the course of, of years, where I've now started to say, and don't answer right away with the environmental aspect. Because uh -huh. the reality is incorporating hemp in a scientifically you know, researched and development way is creating a better product, a, a superior performing product, whether it is paper and how many times it can be recycled and less chemicals that it, it can, can be used, which contributes to how many times it can be recycled and so on and so forth. Um, or the fact that it will create an incredibly strong building material, much stronger than current off-gassing, inferior, cheap, temporary building materials um, that are being used. So I... I want people to understand that hemp is a superior material. It is second in strength only to carbon nanotubes. The cellulose is second in strength only to carbon nanotubes and graphite whiskers. It is stronger than steel. Um, it is, and, and so it, it really is important to, to understand that. Um, and so transportation and fuel. And when we even talk about, you know, pellets. So what I see happening that's really good, the U.S. Hemp Building Association right now, who I know the National Hemp Growers Cooperative is just works so well with. Yes. Um, you know, is working on, and this is key, a, a hempcrete approval through ICC, International Certification Council, to get a code for the hempcrete process. Hempcrete is an insulation material. So if we could go back and rename it, and we may, we would because the word crete makes people think that it's like a substitute for concrete when the reality is hempcrete is a construction infill. It is a mold rot fire and pest resistant construction infill that is carbon sequestering and with good windows and a proper thickness of your wall, depending on how close you are to an extreme temperature, you will have an interior ambient temperature of about 60 degrees Fahrenheit year round with no heating or cooling system. And this is not some novel and blowing smoke up your, uh, up your skirt here, brother. We've got, this is thousands of years old, this, this building material. There are constructions. We have over 50 projects already in this country. The first one went in 2010, uh, built by Hemp Technologies, who I do the uh, workshops for, for Hempcrete 101, for the mayor of the Asheville of, of, of mayor of Asheville, North Carolina. So 
in any event, we're talking, and bear in mind that over 50% of landfill waste every year is from construction materials for these off-gassing, toxic, inferior performing materials. So I'm very happy about the way hempcrete is going. We're getting that code. Um, the USHBA was working with ASTM, of course, American Society for Testing and Materials mm -hmm. to make sure that this is properly guided. That is huge. Um, <clears throat> however, until we dial in that piece, and get a method for testing because we have our own Federal Trade Commission rules around insulation, 16 CFR 460, the, the R value rule. Uh, until we dial that in, we're not gonna be able to en masse um, create these projects. Right now, everyone is doing, uh, everyone who is doing a hempcrete project in the United States is an automatic advocate because they're having to go in to lobby their building and planning department to prove to them that this material is going to work. And with those codes and so on and so forth, um, and an ability to, to meet all of the testing needs for the R value rule, we'll be able to really light that on fire. Um, boy, every pun intended there, it's completely non-combustible material, you guys. In any event, uh, and then when we come, when it comes to fuel, just huge. And we're in, by the way, not only on the landfill, but the carbon footprint, the amount of C, you know, carbon dioxide that the building, the construction industry puts into the air is, is just phenomenal. Transportation, same thing. And it's a great joy and pleasure to be able to work with National Hemp Growers Cooperate cooperative on a renewable natural gas and hemp uh, project. Incredibly promising. And I hope we see these facilities eventually dotted all over. But we're talking not just renewable natural gas in the form of methane, um, also pellets. Of course, uh, hemp pellets are burn cleaner than wood and they have the same BTU as wood. Biochar, this is a way more incredible uh, way to make charcoal. Um, and of course, gas. We can make biodiesel with the hemp seed as well. And that has been done many times. People have been driven across the country and back in their hemp seed biodiesel cars. But the reality mm -hmm. is that the hemp seed is so valuable for so many other purposes that we would not want to see it used for fuel. Right, right, right. We want the hemp feed coalition to start putting it in more chickens is what part of what we want to be able to do that. All right, look, um, Drew asked a great question. Drew, I hope we're not wearing you out today. This is the second webinar Drew and I have been on today where he's had to listen to me talk. So he's probably gonna need a drink here a little bit. Um, but he asked this question, what does your hemp crystal ball look like for 2022? And then let's talk about the E part and then, um, We'll we'll let us we'll let you get back to work. <clears throat> hey, of course, such my total pleasure. Twenty twenty two. My hope is that we're going to see Congress force the FDA to take the lead out and create a regulatory framework for hemp extract. Why? Because we need to put the hemp extract industry out of its misery in this country so that folks can then move on, dial it in, realize I can either compete in this market or I can't because this is the actual regulatory framework mm -hmm. and then move on to the trillion dollar industries in hemp, which are oil, seed and fiber. So I'm hoping that that happens. Am I, am I confident that that's going to happen? No, but, but it could, we have several bills out there and it's just, there's more and more pressure on the FDA. And if we can get rid of Janet Woodcock, who is the acting commissioner of the FDA and replace her with somebody who is not so favorable to special corporate interest in big pharma, 
um, and the opioid industry, uh, we would have a higher chance of that. I will say that in 2022, as we are already seeing, we're going to see more and more fiber processing facilities come online, guys, and grain processing facilities as well. We need those fiber. We need the infrastructure. That is, we, you know, we're having to put one foot in front of the other. We've been asking farmers to grow a crop for which there's very little infrastructure to process that crop. We've been asking entrepreneurs and investors to invest in the infrastructure for a crop, which there isn't enough crop to keep those machines being fed right now. So we need folks who understand that this is about a, a, a five-year potentially ROI. So if you're expecting to make a million dollars or profit that first year in hemp fiber processing, you know this may not be the industry for you. But for those who can do it, build it and they will come. We're seeing more and more of this infrastructure because ultimately to really deliver on this dream, to make it economically viable, this big, heavy crop, to be able to go from farm to processor to manufacturing manufacturer, all of that distribution, all of those logistics, we ultimately want to see these processing facilities within 50 to 100 square miles maximum of the biomass feedstock. So I think we're going to see more and more of that. Well, you know, that's what we do every day uh, is trying to find those things out. Uh, Drew, great question. Uh, All right, let's talk a little more E on the environmental part of ESG in case there are some folks who are tuning in that might not be as aware. If we sit here and talk about the rest of it, we'll be here for another hour, okay? So why don't you give me what you think are the top five environmental impacts of what hemp can do besides what you've already talked about. Now I'm putting you on the spot, okay? Besides the building materials, because we've already talked about that. And we already know that that isn't, Amen, hallelujah, okay? And we've talked about the fuels. Where would you say some of the other, you don't have to do five, but let's just say- No, I've got five, literally, I, I follow directions. I got five for you right here, brother. Ah, ah, Keep ah, going. Get on, girl. <laughs> All right. All right, let's hear your five non-construction, non-fuel, uh, environmental, uh, girl, boys for him. Okay, and these are, wait, bearing in mind, guys, that- just because hemp got legal, it doesn't mean all of a sudden, oh, can I get a hemp refrigerator? No, guys, for heaven's sake, we're just at the beginning here. So so um, I want to first give th- these examples are examples of products um, that are being made right now, not necessarily on mass, but how can we incorporate, how can the, we, these companies up their e-factor, their environmental factor through hemp, bearing in mind that the reason why we're saying hemp, because any one of these things you could say, well, gee, couldn't I do the same thing with organic cotton? Does organic cotton sequester hemp in the unique and extraordinary way that hemp does? Does organic cotton require far more water uh, than hemp does? Does organic cotton produce a long lasting durable fiber or a short inferior fiber? So uh, bear that in mind. So paper products, first and foremost, says the first thing we think of is paper products. Company swag, so the bags, the the tote bags, the t-shirts, the baseball hats, the lanyards, 
hemp made now, competitively priced. And it's a product that people can hold on to and last forever. Transportation. We have vehicles now with car parts made with hemp. We can also do certain fuels with hemp, but we're, I want to be realistic right now with folks. Um, office snack food. If you are a larger company and you're buying constantly, you want to be concerned with health. This also is going to hit your S, your social, um, as with, for the, for the health and workplace safety of your, of your folks, but as well as just the, um, the environmental impact of the food that you are buying. Um, and then I'll come on again and we can talk about the nutritional value of the hemp seed, one of my favorite things. If you're in agriculture, not only do all of these things, um, you know, apply to you as well, but certainly animal bedding. And boy, will you be happy if you use animal bedding for agriculture because it is far more economically viable, reusable, longer lasting, you know, damp bedding and encourages bacterial growth. Um, and hemp has natural antimicrobial properties. Uh, hemp bedding can often be very dusty. Hemp is basically dust free. And so if, especially for poultry farms or other animals that are close to the ground, you know, that protects the delicate respiratory systems. Certainly, you know, urine and other animal feces and waste creates ammonia um, and ammonia fumes and other unwanted uh, odors that can be harmful to birds, whereas this hemp does not. And it also has its own insect repelling, you know, properties. Additionally, it creates a, a healthier flock for poultry and other animals because the high thermal rating keeps uh, birds and other animals warmer. Um, and it also reduces electricity costs um, and healthy, healthy birds are happy birds of course, and it's non-acidic and it quickly biodegrades. You put that on your on your compost pile and I have seen and smelled this for myself and now your compost pile doesn't smell anymore. So anyway, those are all uh, ways. Bad. Yeah, but incorporating hemp into the products you actually make that's the silver bullet. I mean, that's that's a whole nother situation. And that is, what am I making now? And how can I make it better by incorporating hemp as hemp as a raw material or into this product versus what I'm using now? Right. And, and, and it seems to me we, we, we've, we've had some great dialogue along that just this week. As a matter of fact, we were uh, all three of our founding partners of the Hemp Co-op were in Murray, Kentucky yesterday. Uh, visiting uh, with Dr. Brandon and his team at Murray State, and and we, we were uh, we enjoyed very much hearing some amen back from the things we've been thinking, which is look, would we love to make it all of whatever the it is a hundred percent out of hemp? Yeah, that'd be fine. But look, there's a lot of things we can do to integrate hemp into part of what is already happening now. And I think those things are going to be much easier for the marketplace to be able to accept for us to figure out the cost figures on all of that. Um, and, and it might move us maybe not as quick as everybody would like, but by golly, it's a heck of a lot further than we were yesterday. And, and if we can do it by blending and merging into what's already happening, right, instead of just 100% hemp in it, uh, I think that's some of the things that give me um, smiley faces. Two things. One is, I forgot to say textile. I had to give you a sixth. Okay. Um, when we are doing building interiors, you know, it's not just the building materials, but also the textiles when we're doing building materials. Brother, you just said the word of the century. 
and that's blend. And of course, as a 20 year old girl, maybe even until into my thirties, maybe well into my thirties, <laughs> I was thinking there'd be a hundred percent hemp. Well, we just grow hemp. Everything would be hemp, a hundred percent hemp. You know, this is foolish youthfulness. This is crazy pants. Blend hemp is the great blender for heaven's sake. And there are some, there are, it can be blended with other wonderful things. It can be blended with toxic things. The point is the more we blend it, the less toxic those toxic things become. I am yeah, so yeah. glad that you had that conversation um, because absolutely, if I, I need to make a t-shirt that will be a, a triple entendre because it will just say hemp blended. Yes, the t-shirt is hemp blended. The yes. world needs to be hemp blended. And I am an advocate for a hemp blended world. There you go. And it's sponsored by Hemp Ace. That <laughs> right on it. I mean, let's let's get those boogers printed up in the morning. How yes. about that? Yes. Joy Beckerman, I just am tickled to death, always to death, when I get to hear from you and I get to talk with you. And 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 you just are such an encourager and are help us see things that we do not see on our own because you have put the time and the energy and the effort to go in and to educate folks and to raise the bar every day. You're pushing the noodle every day, girl. And, and um, uh, I'm, I'm pleased to call you my friend and I'm pleased to call you my colleague uh, as much as you'll let me be a colleague and come into your world about part of that. Thank you for spending time with us today. Could not be more mutual, Nick. I cannot thank you enough. Your entire team, the National Hemp Growers Cooperative, is such a big part of what's happening right now, brother. So mutual. And I can't wait to be with you in person again. Thank you Hot for diggity. having me. Let's on. tell everybody how to get in touch with you. If you don't subscribe to Hemp Barons, then you are a goober. Okay. That you should absolutely, to use a word Granny Clampett would say, right? If you are not uh, connected in and, and subscribing to, um, Hemp Barons on all your favorite podcast uh, places where you listen to them. Please do that. I just listened to your latest one yesterday as I was driving home from Murray. Uh, always great guests to do. So besides that, hempace.com, correct? And that's where you can learn about joy. Hey, you find yourself getting in a pickle and you decide you need some legal expert to come in and be able to be an expert witness. This is your girl right here. Okay. She's the one that you'd want to be able to call up. So Joy, thank you, thank you. Um, next week we will have our, it's our third Wednesday, so we will have our legal update with the folks from the Bradley Cannabis team. Always are glad to hear from them. And Joy mentioned him earlier, our friend Bob Hoban will be on two weeks from today uh, as, as part of uh, hearing his insight into the world of, of what's going on with him. So on behalf of the Industrial Hemp Growers Digest's uh, webinar Wednesday, Thanks for joining us. Take care. This podcast produced and distributed by MWB Studios.